for me, I think of the radio heydays of the days of the 50s, which is before my time. But that's from what I understand when radio revolved around personalities. People like Wolfman Jack, baby. All right. And corporate came in, sucked out all the personality, and then crammed as much ads into the content ruining radio. And this is where podcasting can come in and give the thing that people miss the most, which is that personality. And so here's some stats from business2community.com. 83% of consumers say they either completely or somewhat trust recommendations from family and colleagues and friends. 90% of people, that's from Nielsen, by the way, 90% of people trust suggestions from, you guessed it, friends and family. That's from HubSpot. 72% of people get news from, you guessed it, friends and family, making word of mouth the most popular channel for sharing. And so doesn't it make sense that if we want to grow our audience, maybe we should grow our friends and people that feel like family. And today I'm interviewing Kevin Schmidlin from the Grow the Show podcast, and he's going to teach us about T-D-E. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I'm so glad you're here. This is where I help you plan launch, grow those downloads, and if you want to, monetize your podcast. My website, schoolofpodcasting.com. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start and use the coupon code listener when you're ready to get going in the right direction. And we have an interview today, and I found Kevin. I have the domain name. I believe it's growingyourpodcast.com, and as I was kind of sniffing around to see if anybody else was doing that kind of show because I was thinking about starting yet another podcast. And if you go, did you? No, I didn't. But I still have the domain. And that's kind of how I discovered Kevin's show. It's Grow Your Show. And as I listened to the show, the first time I was like, ooh, this is not your typical podcast about podcasting. This is somebody that's kind of taking that narrative style and applying it to a podcast about podcasting. So that caught my eye originally. It was like, hey, Somebody's doing something different. It's not your typical interview and things like that. And so the more I listened to it, the more I got to know Kevin and typically agree with everything he's saying. And you'll hear today, we're going to talk about growing your show. We're also going to talk about how he started. And I know I always say, do we really need the backstory? And in this case, we kind of do, because this is a guy that was trying some things and it's great to learn from your mistakes. It's even better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. And he'll even say, yeah, don't do this. Don't try this at home. And at the end, we'll start talking about actual step-by-step strategies you can do to grow your audience. So let's uh, get to that interview with Kevin. So Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. Dave, thanks so much for having me, man. I've been a long, long time listener. It is an honor to be here. I'm so grateful. Thank you, sir. I always want to kind of find out when did the bug hit you that you said, I, I got to start a podcast. Yeah. So it was on a cold December day in 2017. I was a software developer for a big health insurance company and I live in Philadelphia. And the one morning I was on my way to work, I was in the subway, headed downtown to my you know software job, which was nice. It was comfortable. 
And I heard an episode of How I Built This about Warby Parker, the glasses company. And I did not know this. And a lot of people don't know this, but Warby Parker was founded in Philly at the University of Pennsylvania. As soon as they graduated, they, they moved and left. But, you know, it was there. And I just got so lit up by hearing the story of Warby Parker and how they started this at that point, you know, really successful company there in Philadelphia. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to hear more of these. Like, I want to hear more Philadelphia success stories told in this like audio cinematic way with like voiceovers and like music and everything. I mean, it was right then and there that where I was just like, I want to do this. I want to make something like this. And if you're like me, you're thinking software developer, that is a job you typically don't leave because you're making some pretty decent coin. But check out what Kevin did. I do not recommend this at all to anyone. (laughs) It was three months after launch. Uh, I'll tell you, Dave, I thought I was the most badass podcaster. I thought I was the most incredible (laughs) podcaster because I had gotten like 250 downloads on day one. And I was like, which is good. But I just was like, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I was just literally sharing it with the community, like people who were interested in the thing. You know what I mean? Like I was just engaging with people online and sharing with them. I didn't know that at the time. And I wound up stop. I actually stopped doing that. But three months in, it was going really well. It got a little bit of buzz in the Philly startup scene. And the whole time I was saving money. I would like, I set the uh, deadline. I was like, okay, save a bunch of money and have a bed of savings that I can live off of while I figure out the whole entrepreneurship thing. So I was so trigger happy when Philly who just got a little bit of success that after three months I gave notice and I was like, I'm out. And everybody that I worked with was absolutely flabbergasted because they like, I was hiring people for this team and everything. And like, they were not expecting that at all. And so that was July of 2018. I had savings, which is number one. I had no significant other, no kids, no job. Uh, that was my <laughs> next question. How did you get this past the wife? Literally, that explains a lot. It was me and my dog. So, and I just brute forced it. I don't recommend this at all. And it got really, really, really nasty. And there were a couple moments where I almost called up my boss who said, like, he was like, hey, man, you always have a home here. Cause I, you know, I wouldn't blame him for thinking I'd be calling back soon. And it was in that time period. It was about a six month time period where I just tried to brute force, force it. And then I actually started to go into credit card debt. Like, again, Dave, I don't recommend, recommend this anyway. Yeah. It was not smart. It was not good. Started going into credit card debt and just was like, was like, I got it. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going fi- to figure this out. And then by December of 2019, the show, or sorry, uh, 2018, I was burning out, man. I didn't see, like I got, had gotten a couple like ad deals, but the download numbers were at like maybe a thousand per episode at that point. And when I asked Kevin, how did you get a thousand downloads per episode? Cause that alone is a pretty decent accomplishment. And he explained how he was doing things on social that he wouldn't do now. Like he would follow everybody who followed a guest and all sorts of things. One of the things he had done is I always say to grow your audience, figure out who your audience is and go to where they are. So he was hanging out in local Philly areas and making friends with people. But even with a thousand downloads per episode, it was not enough to pay my mortgage and pay me and like start getting out of debt. And you know, like it was bad. And I took a break from the show. And when he took that break, he took it and said, look, I need to go sharpen my ax. This is where my brain explodes when I see somebody in a Facebook group say, hey, I'm not getting the downloads that I had hoped for. And somebody's advice is keep going. And while I understand if you quit, your downloads will definitely go down. Keep going is not good advice unless you're going in the right direction. And Kevin stopped and said, wait a minute. I'm not getting the numbers I want. What do I need to do to steer this in the right direction? 
So I just kind of went digging into at this point, like how to actually do these things. I started listening to, I mean, I think that's where I came across you. And I started like coming across, like seeing, oh, there are people who are doing this, who are teaching how to do this. I studied marketing and like took a couple online courses about like sales and stuff like that. And long story short, came up, started to think outside the box of sponsorship. So I had some sponsors, but, and I was making good money as far as CPM goes. Like it was a really, really, really high CPM because the show was so, the audience was so targeted and so engaged. And also my sponsors didn't have, they weren't familiar with podcast CPM. So they were, I was getting like a hundred, two hundred dollars CPM. Nice. Um, exactly. And I was like, oh, in order to get sponsors, I don't just sit back and wait for Squarespace to call me. Uh, <laughs> I have to like reach out to businesses and make a case for why it would be good for them to sponsor this show. And like, I just started to think of the paradigm differently rather than thinking companies will pay for me to do this. I would think, oh, I can provide a service to those customer to those companies by helping to bring them customers with sponsorship. And so then I would walk to up to a, a business and be like, hey, at this point, every episode gets 2,200 downloads. Do you want to like run a test? And they get great results because it was so targeted. Like it was unbelievable. So that was going well. And then I tried a bunch of other stuff like selling merch. I did some like merch deals with local stores in Philadelphia because the the benefit was that in-person air, that in-person audience, you know, like it was a local show. There was a store in downtown Philly that they would sell Philly Who merchandise. And like the merchandise that I made just said kind of Philly on it. Like it, you can't really tell that this hat's for a podcast. I'm holding up a hat that just says Philly on it for the Philly Who logo, but it does not really apparent that it's for a podcast. So it's just cool merchandise. And so I made a couple hundred bucks a month from those sales at different stores. And then the big one was the live events. It was the one year anniversary of the show and basically got a partnership with a local independent concert hall. One of the guys that works there emailed me and said, would you ever consider doing a live show? And I was like, well, you should ask. I just was. And long story short, we got a, a couple of celebrity chefs in the area to agree to have, you know, have me interview them on stage and people paid $38 a ticket. $5 per ticket was donated to charity like a Broad Street Ministry, which is a Philly charity that feeds the homeless. It was a very, very low overhead event for me. All I had to do was show up and do the interview. And so I walked out of that event with like four grand in my pocket just, just to go sit and interview people. You nice. Know? So then what? I was like, ah, <laughs> now we're talking, right? <laughs> yeah. And since he was doing these live concerts, those were actually newsworthy which led to him being mentioned in the newspaper because they're like, look at this crazy guy. He quit his job after three months to start a podcast. And so he has this local show, Philly Who. And anytime you do something local, how far out do you go before it's not Philly? Criterion for me was, okay, how are you impacting the city of Philadelphia? Because there are absolutely people who are like based outside of, the, uh, outside of the city whose impact can be felt in Philly. And so that was the kind of, the go or no go for me on a, on a guest. So now that he has multiple streams of income, he's got some partnerships going locally and things are really starting to move along. He started to actually make some income. If anyone thinks I'm being rude, he talks about this all the time in the show. You, you made how much money in that first couple <laughs> yeah. of years? Yeah. So over six figures and it was averaging about 120 to 140. So like the, if you took the monthly, yes. I think it was like, I don't yeah. know, eight or 10 grand a month or something like that. 10 grand a month, not too shabby. And almost everyone I know says, hey, I want to start a podcast and I want to get advertisers. In many cases, that's really not the best way to go because it seems like you need to have a boatload of downloads. But if you have a niche show, you can pull that off. What, what I kind of boil it down to is in order to get a sponsor to say yes, in order to sell a business successfully that on 
purchasing advertisement space on your show, you have to sell them on two things. You have to sell them on advertising on podcasts and also advertising on your podcast, why your podcast is the one to advertise on. The ones where you try to go after companies that already know the value of advertising on podcasts, those tend to be really big companies that only are interested in massive scale. Like they're only interested in shows who have 10, 25,000 downloads per episode. Like they want scale, they want massive reach. It's the companies that you have to sell on podcast advertisement, but you don't have to sell on you because they know who you are or they know what your show is about. Those are the ones that if you know anything about how much Facebook ads cost and like there are other alternatives when it comes to marketing, like a couple hundred bucks for a really niche engaged podcast is cake to them. They're like, are you kidding me? This is such a great deal. It's just that most podcasters don't know that. And so they go after the Squarespaces and the, and the you know, Casper mattresses who are not even going to read your email unless you've got 50,000 downloads per episode. And then that happens. And then they're like, oh, I guess I can only monetize if I have 50,000 downloads. But it's, it's not true at all. If you have a, a niche engaged audience. And so I talked to Kevin about an example of somebody that started off wide and then niche down. So one of my first clients in the accelerator, the first like eight months of the program, we got like five people in and it was great because they got a lot of attention from me. <laughs> and one of them, his name is Howard. And he came into the program and he had a show called Real Estate, Wine and More with Howard. And he's a real estate agent and the goal, he, he lives in the DC area and his goal was to, you know, drive real estate business, you know, be, be an authority in the space and get leads and, and, you know, business for his real estate practice. He joined the program. He's like, why can't I get the show to grow? I was like, Howard, real estate, wine and more means everything. If you tack and more mm -hmm. on anything, it means this show is about everything. So you're telling me that some, a stranger is to believe you when you say that this show He's going to talk about literally everything and it's going to be very good at it. <laughs> He's like, no, okay, cool. But, but how do I niche down? What, where do I go from here? I was like, okay, cool. Do me a favor and look at the 30 episodes that, you, that he had released at that time and tell me which ones perform the best. And he went through and he's like, okay, this one, the brewery owner here, this, this uh, you know, winery person, this distillery. And he said like four times, I'm like, Howard, you have a local spirits podcast and you don't even know it. <laughs> like, like the top, top download episodes were the ones about local wine, spirits, and breweries. And the ones on the bottom were the ones that were about real estate and more, right? Just like mm. whatever I want to talk about. And so he immediately rebranded to Barrel Tasting with Howard. And then I like never heard from him again because he was getting approached. Like I had to, I had to DM him on, Instagram, on Facebook and be like, hey man, how's it going? I haven't heard from you. He was like, oh dude, I don't have time. I'm doing all these interviews. He's like, I got sponsored by a limousine company here in DC. And like now the brewers and everyone want to be on my show. And it's just an example mm. of a lot of times your niche, like you already have the niche show. It's more about just peeling back all the other stuff and peeling back your desire to make your show seem as broad as you can, because we think that that's going to make it appeal to more people. And it's intuitive, right? I don't blame anybody for going broad. Right. It's like, of course, like I want to make a show that as many people as possible would like. So I'm going to make it about as many things as possible. But the opposite is true. And my, the big question that I ask people is like, have you ever heard of a, of a buffet, like a, a food buffet? And I'm like, oh yeah. When's the last time? So, so you like variety in your food, right? Like you like, oh yeah. You don't like to eat the same thing every day. Cool. When's the last time you went to a buffet? Most people are like, oh my gosh, years. I'm like, yeah, well, why not? It has variety. It has everything you could ever want. Right. But 
Instead, you're like, oh, today I want tacos. You go to a taqueria. Hey, today I want Italian. You go to an Italian restaurant. You don't go to the buffet that has everything. So what I say to everyone is like, stop trying to make your show a buffet and just mm. pick the one thing and people will come to you for that one thing. And the beauty is if you can just commit yourself to that one thing and we don't, every, nobody wants to pigeonhole themselves, right? And I don't blame you. Like, oh, but I, but I also want to talk about finance and I also want to talk about life and, and personal development and sports. I'm like, you can later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. we got to just pick one thing. If you could just pick one audience to serve for one year and just say, this is all I'm going to do for just one year. That audience will take you to bigger and broader places than you can ever imagine. That's how you get to the big audience. That's how you get to the broad place. It's not by trying to be there now. And that show Philly who that was bringing in the six figures in just a second, you're going to hear why Kevin shut it down. And one of the strategies that Kevin uses to grow your show. Now, you still might be fighting that urge to keep things wide. Like, everybody's going to love this if I talk about everything. Well, here's a great point. Try to find somebody who has a big, broad audience like you want. And find me one who wasn't put there by, like, a big media company. Like, actually is a self-made audience. And did not start with something ridiculously niche. Before, like, we're looking at their chapter 30 right now. But if you look at their chapter one and two, it's almost always something unbelievably niche. Like Lewis Howes was the LinkedIn guy forever. Pat Flynn was an architecture course guy. Like how niche is that, right? Before he became smart passive income. And, and you name it, you can just go down the whole list. And the key is, well, but what about like Joe Rogan, all these people? Well, they got uh, started when podcasting was niche in 2008. Like that in itself was already a niche. So everyone who had a self-made audience and today is able to talk about something broad, started with one unbelievably, sometimes uncomfortably specific audience and topic, and then grew their way out of it. So speaking of multiple topics, at this point, Kevin had two podcasts. He had Philly Who and Grow Your Show, and he shut down Philly Who, even though it was making him money. I found myself miserable giving half of my attention to two shows and Mm -hmm. seeing both shows, like having ideas for both shows on how they could be better, how they can grow and just not being able to take both to the full potential. So with the momentum that Grow the Show has, I was like, it would be irresponsible for me to take attention away from this right now, from, from Grow the Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I put Philly Who back, back on uh, indefinite hiatus. And that's just great advice. I have multiple, multiple shows because I'm doing lots of experiments, but it's easy to fall into that trap because you think, hey, I know how to launch a podcast. It's super simple. And that's the problem. It is super simple to launch a podcast because you know all the technology and the RSS feeds and the media hosts. Launching the podcast is not hard. Growing a podcast is really what takes the effort. And that's why I brought Kevin on the show. I wanted to talk to him about his strategies for actually growing your show. It's called TDE. TDE is targeted daily engagement. And it's a framework that I kind of distilled down last year. And it's kind of the, at this point, the flagship grow the show growth method for growing a podcast vis-a-vis a social media presence. And I mean, one of the first examples that comes to mind is the first person that I really told about TDE, which... I came up with kind of the name and like the actual framework step-by-step thing behind it four months into the accelerator program. And it debuted it to my five clients at the time and said, Hey guys, this is how we should use social media to grow our shows. 
And Anna Dearman Cornick is a podcaster who is absolutely incredible. Her show is about time management for busy women called It's About Time. She's an insanely good time manager, as you can guess, <laughs> and had her show for going on a year. It was about nine months. She had released about 30 episodes and it just was flatlining. She was at 1300 downloads per episode, which is good. Like for on your right. own, she had taken a course, a launch course and everything, but you know, she was doing the post an audiogram, post on social media and then at, beg your guests to share. That's the big one. Like beg your guests to share to their social media audience and then their audience will flock to you. Right. I said, here's a different way to do it. Try this 15 minutes a day, every day for just 15 minutes and your audience will start to grow. I'm telling you. And one year later, her show had 10x. She had surpassed 10,000 downloads per month. And it's simple. And again, it's like, it can't be that true because we have it programmed into our brains or so. I don't know where it came from, but we just think like, it's just crazy how this podcast growth strategy is just baked into the way we all think about this, which is, well, if you want to grow your podcast audience, you got to post an audiogram, you got to post on social media, post, 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 you got to post in Facebook groups, and then you got to beg your guests to share, right? That's what everyone's doing. And it's not working. It's like, if, if we're all doing this, it's not working for anyone. Why are we all still doing this? So uh, the difference is, I say that there's three things that you can do on social media. You can consume, scroll, 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 which is what most human beings spend about eight hours a day doing. You can publish, post, 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 which is what the vast majority of podcasters are doing, thinking that that's what's going to get them new listeners. Post, 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 post. Episode post, 16 post. is available. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Here's a headshot of somebody that you've never seen or you don't know. Go listen to them talk for 60 minutes on my podcast. Like, there's a reason why nobody's liking or commenting on this post. Like, but the third thing that you can do on social media is engage. And that's actually interacting with other people, which is what social media is for. And whenever you hear somebody, all oh, the algorithm this, the algorithm that, like the algorithm is just there to see, okay, is the thing that you're posting getting people to engage? Like, are you having interactions with you know, other human beings with this thing? No. Okay. We're not going to show it. That's the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't hate you. So people don't like your stuff. Engagement is the third thing, and it's literally just participating on social media, being a member of the party. And if I could impart one thing into every podcaster's brain about using social media to grow your show, it is to not promote, but to participate on social media, and your show will grow. So the framework is 15 minutes a day, targeted daily engagement. Targeted is the key. So... Mm. We get a lot of folks who start trying to use this framework and they're like, oh, but I want to reach entrepreneurs and it's not working. I'm like, my friend, that is not targeted. The way that I recommend people target their audience is decide on three characteristics that every member of your podcast audience must have, must. My podcast is for blanks, who blanks, who blank and blank, right? So Grow the Show is for entrepreneurs who have already launched their podcast and are currently stuck at their growth level, right? So I don't target people who have not launched yet targeted daily every single day 15 minutes like a habit that's the key here it's just like working out consistency is everything build the habit build it into your schedule and i actually recommend to everyone to put this on 15 to 30 minutes 30 if you really want to go crazy put it on your calendar like an appointment and keep it you literally go on social media unfollow everyone in your social media feed that does not give you massive massive joy and value every time you see their posts so all the brands that you follow all the coffee shops that you visited four years ago in a city you're never going to go to again that you follow, stuff does not need to be in your life. Like, get it out, remove it from your attention. <laughs> Hence the phrase uh, targeted. 
targeted, right? So clean out all the junk from your social media feed, the stuff that you see. And the reason I say that is because otherwise it's really easy to get sucked into the social media machine. It's funny because I was going to ask you that. Like, how do you stop from going down a rabbit hole? You remove the the rabbit. (laughs) Remove. Yes. Like clean it out. And I will tell you, this is one of the biggest pieces of feedback that I get from people. And there are, I can like dozens and, and maybe even hundreds of people that I've heard from who aren't even like, I don't even know who they are. They're not in my program. They're not clients. And they reach out. They're like, TDE has grown my show. There was one dude who has a, who has a military show. He was like, we went from a hundred to a thousand downloads per month in a month, just from doing 15 minutes of this every day. And it gets to the point where I'm like, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> and then I said, I, I like DM'd him. I'm like, Hey, can you show me your numbers? Cause that's kind of nuts. And he's, he showed me and he's like, no man, look, this, here it is. And then I listened to the show and it's like a really great show. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like it, it unblocked the constraint. So you have to clean up your social media feed, unfollow everyone, literally everyone, except like my, my rule of thumb is there's only two people you're allowed to follow. The people who are a couple of chapters ahead of you that you hint, hint, maybe want to have on your show someday or collaborate with someday. And people that you communicated with during quarantine. Anybody else, if you did not have an actual human-to-human communication with them during quarantine, you don't need to see their updates every day, right? If you feel bad about unfollowing them and you think they're going to hate you, first of all, they're not going to know. Second of all, you can mute them. You can just mute them from your feed so you don't see their stuff every day. So you'll see on Instagram, I follow like, I don't know, like 800 people. And I think maybe 200 of them, I actually are not muted. Like 600 are muted. Those are the prerequisites. Have a really specific audience and mute, clean up your social media feeds so that you just don't get sucked in. And you still will have to work to not get sucked into it because those apps are made by like 400 people with PhDs and how to get people addicted to stuff, right? But then what is the framework? Okay, I've been going on and on about the prerequisites. You give yourself a 30-minute window every single day and you hop into your social media platform of choice. In general, I recommend one platform and not trying to be on all of them. Just pick one to go all in on for a time and engage with your future listeners, right? So your targeted group, the people that you want to serve the most and your dream guests of your show and your dream collaborators, which almost always should be other podcasters in your, in your niche, in your world. Because one of the quickest tickets to podcast growth is collaborating and being featured on other podcasts. It's like we're doing right now, right? You're on my show, I'm on your show. So those are the three groups of people you want to engage with. And what does it look like to engage with, right? You can grow a podcast to incredible heights without publishing, with barely publishing at all, barely publishing on social media at all. Publishing meaning post, 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 post. And so what you do is remember, you don't promote, you participate. So the first group is your dream listeners, right? You've got this really specific idea of who it is you want to serve. And you should probably go back and make that idea more specific. It isn't specific enough until you start to get that little uncomfortable feeling where you're like, I think this audience might be too small. That is when you've started to get specific enough where you will actually achieve resonance with the individual, right? People told me like Philadelphia was too big. I had to drill down into Philadelphians who are really passionate about the city because there are a lot of positively passionate about the city. There's a lot of Philadelphians who are not passionate about the city and who are in general, you know, in general self-improvement and like, you know, success oriented, quote unquote, if you will, like they want to hear the stories of successful people because they want to be those successful people. So it's like a really specific persona. And that's why I didn't know it at the time, but that's why Philly who worked because I was targeting those people. And not just saying anyone in Philadelphia. The big question is, okay, you've got this really specific group of people. The question is, where do they go online to interact with other people like them, each other, to interact with each other, right? So, you know, if you're like, 
for me with Philly Who. I didn't know it at the time, but the reason why I got 250 downloads on the very first day of the podcast with no audience, no email list, literally zilch. I was a low-level software developer. The people I worked for barely knew my name. It's because I was a member of the startup community in Philly. And yeah. so I shared the show and talked about the show at a place where people who are into that stuff go and talk about that thing. Almost always these days, that's in the form of Facebook groups. And I know the first thing everyone says, oh, but I tried Facebook groups. It doesn't work. Yeah, what you tried is you joined, you checked a box that said, I promise not to be self-promotional. And then you joined and you just posted a link to your show. New episode out now, check it out. And then they kicked you out of the group because you broke the rule that you had to promise not to break in order to join the group. People are like, oh, and nobody comments on it. Like nobody, like it's like, why do you think this is working? You go there and instead of promoting, you participate. Join the community, interact with people, share your story, help them with something without like if someone asks a question, don't say, I answered this in my podcast. Give them the answer. Build a relationship with these people and build a relationship with the leaders of the group, the mods, the people who brought this community together and say, hey, I see that you're serving this group of people, super passionate about it. I've got a podcast about it. Just letting you know, I'm not going not gonna to spam your group. I know that everyone hates that. And I'm just happy that, to be here and, and offer to help them. I would love to know, do you need any help moderating or just like, you know, build a relationship with the person who runs that community and the actual members of the community because that's what TDE is. The big secret about targeted daily engagement is that yes, it's a social media growth framework, but really it's a, it's a framework for building relationships with other people online. That's it. As podcasters, we get bad pitches from people we don't know. So TDE teaches the opposite. Go know people before you ask them anything. And then once you build relationships with people, number one, you can ask the leaders of the group who you have become friends with because you've helped them out and you didn't ask them for anything as soon as you joined the group, you can ask them, hey, is it cool if I share this thing? And they'll almost always be like, oh, totally. I love like what you're doing. Yes, this is great. And you build relationships with the people and then you can you know, talk to them in the DMs and then just like say, hey, like, and what I say is like, hit them in the DMs, have a couple interactions where you're like, yeah, we're internet friends. Like we've had a couple interactions in the comments with each other and then hop into the DMs and say, Hey Dave, Kevin here from the from the Facebook group. I just want to totally shameless, like, feel free to say no, but I just want to let you know that I I, I have this show and this one episode is just a, is about what we were just talking about. And I think you'd really love it. So like I said, totally, you know, no pressure, but I would love to share it with you. Are you interested in the link? And then you're asking permission for it. And they're mm. like, oh my gosh, yes, totally. And the other trick that people have brought to me and that they figured out is ask for feedback on it. I'm like, that's cool. But like, hey, I'd love to hear what you think, what your feedback is. Number one, a lot of people give good feedback. It's actually really, it's really impressive. And then you've got to listen. And they oftentimes subscribe. And if you'd like to check out Kevin's program, you can go to growtheshow.com slash apply to be involved in that accelerator program. But wait, there's more. I do have a masterclass, though, that I recommend everybody. It it goes deeper into targeted daily engagement. We really only talked about like the first third of that framework. Yeah. Um, and so growtheshow.com slash masterclass goes through that. And then, you know, my other kind of quote unquote, three steps to a six figure podcast, it's just the loose framework that I help, you know, the, the four steps that I stages that I help people get through. And then, you know, even if you're not interested in the accelerator, the grow the show podcast is the number one thing that I would recommend. It's whatever app you're listening to right now, it's there, search grow the show. And each episode is meant to be a tangible lesson that has some sort of framework or takeaway. The episode with you, Dave, we're talking about how to monetize a podcast. And what we're saying is like, here is the only way to monetize a podcast, which spoiler alert, it is 
to convert your listener into a customer of a business, either yours or someone else's, right? The only way to monetize a podcast audience, which is debatable, but yeah, we, we like to boil it down to that. And, and that's what we try to do at Grow the Show, which is like simplify things so that we can actually implement it. Like something that you can take, implement, think about. And that's what each episode of the show tries to do. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and always great to hang out with you. And thanks so much, man. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. And I'll have links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 812. And we, we will be getting to the question of the month in just a second. One of the things that really jumped out for me was the buffet analogy. If you think about it, if you go to a buffet, you're going to find something great to eat. Now, you're also going to find some things that you're like, yeah, I'm not eating that. But I love that analogy. So many people try to make their podcast a buffet, but where we really go, I mean, I go to Chipotle because I want Chipotle and I could probably get something that's similar at a buffet, but I really want Chipotle. I really want McDonald's fries. Those are all niche things. I thought that was really cool. And the fact that contrary to popular demand, spamming people is not a good way to grow your audience. Relying on your guest to promote your show is not. And social media, when you just go, hey, look, here's an ad from me. Everybody look, more ads on social media. In case you wanted more, here's another ad. It's the last episode of the month, which means it's the question of the month. That's where I ask you a question and you replied. And this month's question was, hey, you find yourself in whatever app and you found a show that you probably might actually listen to. What inspires you to take the next step to either listen, follow, subscribe, etc.? And here are your answers. Hey, Dave, this is Brandon Lovinger answering your question of the month for January. I'm the host of the Start 100K podcast, the podcast designed to help people get to their first $100,000 of net worth and beyond. I discuss personal finance topics centered around getting started and staying motivated toward financial security and independence. You can find me at start100k.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-1-0-0-K.com. When I'm looking for a new podcast, I generally look for something specific and then browse specific episodes. Often, I'll click on one that looks interesting based on the relevancy of the title. I'll generally do a quick scroll through the description, but that's not always a big draw for me. If I listen for two or three minutes and get nothing but ads or jibber-jabber, I just stop and move on. I will only follow or subscribe if I like the episode I listen to. Most of the time, though, I will search for a specific guest that has content I'm interested in and listen to episodes that they're a guest on for several different podcasts. The best interviews usually get another listen or even a subscribe. An example of this happened this morning, actually. I finished the book Scarcity by Sindel Molenathan and Elder Shafir. I probably messed those names up, but anyway... It was a great book. I really enjoyed it. And so I searched for podcasts with Sindel in them and found an episode of the People I Mostly Admire podcast with Stephen Levitt. The title said something like, Sindel talks about how messing around is a good use of your time. This was unfamiliar material from the book, so I wanted to get that fresh content. I was looking for fresh content, not just more of the same. I really liked the episode, and so now I'll subscribe to the podcast to see what other interesting guests and information I can listen to. 
I also regularly unfollow podcasts that I no longer listen to. I keep only my favorites in my lineup. As far as the podcast art and things like that go, that really doesn't make a big difference for me. I'm really looking at the content, and if it's interesting, then I'll keep listening. If not, I'll move on. There's a ton of podcasts out there. Thank you, Brandon. And yeah, this is why you always want to put your guest name in, along with your name, in the author field when you're creating an episode, because that's one of the few fields that Apple actually searches. And again, episode titles are super important. Hi, Dave. Heather here from the podcast Watching Netflix Without You. So what catches my eye when I'm looking for a new podcast? The title goes a long way, especially if it's clever. Like My Favorite Murder, for example, if you're a true crime fan, is a brilliant podcast title. Uh, And it definitely got me listening to that podcast when I first discovered it. And the logo also plays a part. Uh, If it appeals to me artistically, I'll usually check out the podcast And conversely, if the logo doesn't appeal, I'll usually skip listening. Like, for example, if it looks like the graphic design tool used was Microsoft Word, I'm probably not going to give it a listen. Uh, Or if it's just off-putting, like a good example is the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And when I first saw that, I didn't listen to that podcast for the longest time because there was this creepy looking guy with this creepy look on his face and a creepy eye in the middle of his forehead. And I just was like... This is not a podcast for a lady. But later on, I did listen and found that it was not what I thought it was going to be. Yes, I do read the description every time. And yes, it does play a role whether or not I end up listening. And my process here goes a little something like this. I like the logo. I like the title of the podcast. The description makes it sound like I might be interested So I look through the episodes to find titles that sound interesting, and I listen to an episode or two. If I like the content and the podcasters are easy to hear and understand, like it's loud enough, there's no static, they enunciate, I'm in. I'll click the follow button. And depending on the genre, I typically listen to every episode, not necessarily in order, but I do make it around to most all of them. And that's pretty much it. Hope that helps. Uh, As I said, my name is Heather. My podcast is called Watching Netflix Without You. We review Netflix original feature films and documentaries for the most part. And that's pretty much the gist of it. We do not as yet have a website, but we are on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find us by searching Watching Netflix Without You. And we are available to listen on pretty much any podcast app. And I got to interrupt Heather here because... Brothers and sisters, we've had someone come to the light. They have walked away from the darkness. Let me add to the darkness. What darkness is that? I am talking about Anchor. This is from Marco Arment, who makes the Overcast app, which is the top five app, uh, according to Libsyn. Anchor podcasts are unplayable in some podcast app. Popular podcast app Overcast rushed out an update after the files are not being served as AAC in some way that breaks Apple's ext audio file API, whatever that means, said the developer Marco Arment, which makes them unplayable in Overcast as downloads, but playable as streams. The fault in Anchor's audio also affects other apps. Arment tweeted more technical details and added in a tweet to Anchor, it's been two weeks that you're serving malformed files 
breaking media players and losing the audiences of your customers. Do you care about this medium at all? The company hasn't responded. And when Heather sent in her message, she also said these wonderful, unbelievable, praiseful words. Say it, Heather. I'm not going to lie. I have been listening to a lot of your episodes. I'm learning a lot and I'm ready to let go of Anchor and move on. And I'm Hallelujah. and I'm researching which podcast host I want to use. Just wanted to let you know. Use the coupon code SOP free to get a free month at Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Use the coupon code SOP free. As you pointed out, I have been on Anchor for a year and a half. I've made almost no money by monetizing and I've received no sponsorships other than Anchor itself. So you were right. Thanks for everything you do. We have found one of the lost sheep and we have brought them home. Brothers and sisters, praise, praise, praise. And Heather, check out trypodpage.com for your website and then you can learn it for free at learnpodpage.com. And see. Hey, Dave, this is Scott Johnson. The process of choosing a podcast, at least for me anyway, is one that I actually put a fair amount of thought into. I have about an hour each morning on my bike to listen to podcasts. And after that, it's kind of hit or miss for the day, depending on if I have to go anywhere in the car. And I'm not one of those people who can subscribe to a ton of podcasts and then just let the episodes just pile up while I get further and further behind. No way. So when I hear about a podcast that might be of interest, I fire up my podcast listening app, which happens to be Podcast Addict, and I do a search and I find the podcast in the list, and then I click on Episodes so I can see the list of episode titles there. I scroll down and pick one that looks like it would be of interest, and I download that one episode. It goes into my queue, and hopefully I get to listen to it within a couple of days. In most cases, that one episode is the basis for my decision about whether or not I want to subscribe to that show. If I like it, I'll go back to the listing and hit subscribe. And at that same time, I might take a look through the episode list and see if I might want to download some more of the past episodes. But if I listen to that initial downloaded episode and hear poor audio quality or a couple of co-hosts that are just constantly laughing when there's nothing to laugh at, or there's an excessive number of ads, then I just go back to that list and I delete that show. For me, a bad first impression almost always means no second chance. But the funny thing is, even the shows that make it to my subscribe list, I don't even listen to every one of them anyway. I'll look at the topic or who the guest is or whatever and decide if I want that one in my playlist or if I'll just wait for the next episode. But I'm wondering if this question of the month is going to reveal something that I suspect might be happening. I think that we, as podcasters, have these habits about choosing a podcast, and I think we sort of subconsciously assume that everyone else chooses what to listen to the same way we do. Like if a particular podcaster has more time to listen to shows on a Tuesday, for example, that podcaster might think, Tuesday's the best day to release their new episodes, since more people have time on that day. But I suspect that the population of podcast listeners out there probably has a huge range of habits and a wide variety of processes for how they choose to subscribe to a show. 
All I know for sure is that I love it when they subscribe to mine. My show is called What Was That Like? And I talk to real people in unreal situations. Check it out and even subscribe if you want at whatwasthatlike.com. Thank you, Scott. Again, audio quality and messing around at the beginning of the show can cost you a subscriber. This is Kim Newlove from the Pharmacist's Voice podcast. I use my podcast player to organize my podcasts. Even if I just hear about one single episode on somebody else's podcast or on social media or in a newspaper article, I will go to that podcast and hit subscribe to or follow just to organize my podcasts. Then I'll go to the exact episode that I heard about and I will put it in my queue to listen to next. I'm a busy girl. There's way too many podcasts on my podcast app, which is Apple Podcasts, but I like to have them queued up so that eventually I can listen to all these great podcasts that I hear about. Every once in a while, I'll go through my podcast app and I will unsubscribe to or unfollow podcasts that I do not listen to on a regular basis. Do you cherry pick your episodes? Yes, definitely. The episode that brought me to that podcast is what I listen to first And then before I delete the podcast, I will look and see if there's anything else that I want to listen to first. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's only a few that I listen to regularly, and that's kind of how I think. I do cherry pick them based on the title and the show notes. I like a little preview of what they're going to talk about in the episode, and that's how I do it. I cherry pick and I've subscribed to or follow just to organize my podcasts. My name is Kim Newlove, and I am the host of the Pharmacist Voice podcast. You can find that at thepharmacistvoice.com. I am a pharmacist by training, but I made a career transition to voice actor and podcast host. I was inspired by my nonverbal teenaged son with autism to combine my identity as a pharmacist with my speaking voice and launch my voiceover business, The Pharmacist Voice, in 2017. My son, Craig, helped me realize the power of having a voice and using it. Among other things, I narrate audiobooks for women pharmacist authors, and I provide narration for other projects, such as e-learning projects and explainer videos. If you have a project in mind, contact me at thepharmacistvoice.com. Each week, I alternate solo podcast episodes and interview shows. The solo shows are about some aspect of being a pharmacist, a voice actor, a pharmacist podcaster, or my career transition from pharmacist to voice actor and podcast host. My interview shows feature a variety of people who use their voices to advocate for something, educate in some way, or entertain so that you are inspired to use your voice too. Dave, Thank you for everything you do for podcasters. I have learned so much from you. I went through the school of podcasting. I started my podcast in 2019 with your help. And I just wanted to say I just celebrated two years in podcasting and I've got to give you some of the credit. You gave me a great start. Thank you for including my response in the January 2022 question of the month. And happy podcasting, everyone. Thank you so much, Kim, for the kind words and congrats on two years in podcasting. And if you ever listen to the Grow Your Community show, you'll hear where I hired Kim to do that intro. Hi, Dave. Glad to answer your question. I'm Eric Yard, host of Raising Financial Freedom, 
where we help parents raise their kids financially fit or free. So when picking from the app and I'm trying to get a new podcast into my library, I'm either looking to be educated or entertained. And the first thing that's going to get me is looks because it's kind of like dating. So I look and if the podcast art sticks out and the title sticks out to me and it goes along with what I'm looking for, that's a check mark right there. Then I'm looking at the subscribers, not letting that sway my decision too much. The thing that seals the deal is if I could look within the catalog and see at least two episodes with titles that I like. That is what seals the deal. So basically, it's a combination of things. Thank you, Eric. And again, the artwork comes into play and the titles come into play. Hi, this is Mark Vinette from the History of North America podcast, where I explore the wonderful and tragic stories of North America's inhabitants, heroes, villains, leaders, environment, and geography at markvinette.com. I will sample an episode of a new podcast based on its descriptive title and illuminating artwork. I press play only if these descriptive elements encourage me to. I then subscribe or follow if the content I hear is pertinent and of good quality. I rarely take a chance on ambiguous, non-descriptive titles and artwork because there are only so many hours in a day and time is precious. Thank you, Mark. And that actually brings us back to what Kevin was talking about. When you niche down and somebody can look at their description and go, hey, this show is for me, that really has something to do. And again, he says the artwork catches your eye. And I use podcastbranding.co. I'm actually going to be rebranding a podcast of mine currently called the Podcast Rodeo Show, which is a horrible name, by the way. Uh, and, And it wasn't supposed to be a real show. And it's going to stick around. And it's about getting a first impression kind of review. And I'm looking at domains and things like that. So I will be rebranding that show. And when I do, even though Mark made this killer artwork for it, where there's like a lasso around a blue Yeti, uh, I'm going to rebrand that show and then keep it around. So what do I do? Well, I pulled up my app as we speak. I use Overcast and this is insane. I have 169 episodes waiting for me. And what I do is I am a little bit, I think it was Kim that just goes there. I look if it's on my topic. So if it's a podcast about podcasting, I will subscribe. And then in Overcast, I have a playlist of episodes that are podcasts about podcasting. And as I scroll, I've got a ton and I will go in there and I will just look at it's the titles that make me click play or not. And some of them, I'll just look one here. Uh, I'll see something like best microphone or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to hear that. So it's the titles that get me to play. And if I end up swiping left on you enough, I will go. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's a bad show. You're just not giving me anything that I don't already know, or it's just the same old, same old, which is like I said, going back to Kevin, I was like, oh, here's somebody doing an NPR style kind of show. And at the time that was kind of different, still is kind of different. I don't know that anybody else is doing that. And of course, that's really the goal is to get them to click play. The real goal is to get them to play the second time and third and fourth and hopefully follow. And so 
as we kind of wrap up this segment of the question of the month, I reached out to the members of the School of Podcasting and I said, hey, what should I ask? And I want to thank Trent Jackson. He threw this out and I was like, you know, it kind of fits in with this whole show. And that is, what are you doing to grow your audience? We kind of heard Kevin's strategy. What are you doing and do you think it's working? Ooh, that that adds a whole new twist to that question because I think we all have gone out to social and go, hey, episode 16's ready. I always say with social, if when you do promote, consider your Twitter, your Facebook, that is your sales force, and then you're providing them marketing material. So they don't really care that episode four is out. But if you say, do you know somebody who enjoys the Beatles? then they might like the stories in this podcast. Now you're kind of letting them know, hey, here's who you should share that with. That's a little more strategic. So the question of the month, what are you doing to grow your audience? And do you know if it's working? If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question, you can answer that. And I will need your answer. He said, pulling up a calendar quickly, hoping that you don't notice. I will need that by February 25th, 2022, and then it'll come out on the last episode of the month, which is February 28th. Hey, I mentioned you can get a free month at Libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Full disclosure, I work there by using the coupon code SOPFREE, and the reason I bring this up now, because as you listen to this, we are knocking on the door of February, and the best time to order this is like on the 2nd of February because then, oh, you won't get a full month because you missed the first, so you'll get all of February, and then the actual coupon is good for one full month, so you'll get the rest of February and all of March. Use the coupon code SOPFREE, and if you wonder, well, when in the whole process of starting a podcast do I need a media host when you have a finished episode? So if you don't have a finished episode yet, then... You're, you're too soon, and that's when you need to join the School of Podcasting, and I can help you with that. But one other thing, Libsyn just rolled out Libsyn 5, and I wanted to just kind of throw out some things. If you're not using Libsyn, you can skip this. But number one, we're not forcing you to use Libsyn. Libsyn 4 is still available. In the past, if you used a link to a media file, so you would actually link in your uh, description, there's a spot called a permalink. And in many apps, it's called, it'll say like website. And the idea is you're putting the link to your website for somebody to read the rest of the show notes. And some people would put a link to the MP3 file. And if we kind of back up a second and go, wait a minute. So I'm in the app listening to the episode and the link you want me to go to is the episode I'm listening. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. And in some cases, it actually is causing issues with apps and technically it's not really rss compatible to have two files in the same episode so that's been removed like we don't want you to shoot yourself in the foot also that's been removed the apple summary why because apple doesn't use it anymore and we just felt hey it doesn't make much sense to have you fill in information that's not going to be used likewise the subtitle field is gone and let me look at this real quick, make sure we're not skip. Oh, when you publish an episode in Libsyn 4, it would take you to a screen where you could grab the perma or not the permalink, but yeah, you could grab links, you could grab embed codes. The embed code for the player is now on the front page in the bottom right-hand corner. But after you click save, 
on an episode. And for the record, there's now a publish and draft little switch at the top of the episode. So there's now an actual save button. And once you click that, it keeps you on that screen. So to get the link to your MP3 file, let's say you're using something like PowerPress, just click on the view button and you will see all your links there. The view button is in the upper right-hand corner on that screen after you click uh, save. And of course, if you have any questions on Libsyn, the best way is not to email me because it's just me looking at my inbox. If you email support at Libsyn.com, there is an entire team there to answer your questions and you're probably more likely to get an answer quicker because there's just one of me. And if you all email me Libsyn questions in my inbox, my inbox gets really full really quick. And it's, yeah, not that I don't want to hear from you, but support at Libsyn.com. Now, if you need, speaking of support, you need some help launching that podcast, I would love to help you. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Yeah, I was just saying, I get a lot of people who who are like, I'm like, what are your goals with your show? And they're like, oh, well, I want to have two shows. And I'm like, all right, cool. But shouldn't we like <laughs> figure the first yeah. out first? Because I'll tell you what, it's way harder to grow two shows than it is to grow one show. <laughs> and there are different styles. And, and, and yeah, what was that phrase? And the eyes just your child's.